This is the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast, and I am Mike Riccio, longtime personal trainer, professional strength coach, gym owner, and most importantly, a devoted modern father and husband. I've been fortunate to learn under some of the most intelligent minds in health and fitness over the past 15 years, as well as work with amazing clients and athletes. What I've most fallen in love with over the years is the power we have over our lives, the power to decrease risk of disease and injury, the power to reach our true potential, the deep abilities the body is capable of when all aspects of health are working simultaneously. On this podcast, you will learn the importance of preventative health and how to optimize your habits to optimize your life. Today, you are hearing from Lindsay Eskowich. The fact that Lindsay is on this podcast is a testament to why it is so important to make as many great connections and just meet as many people as you can in life. A former client connected me with Lindsay And since meeting Lindsay, I've gone on to meet so many other great people. Lindsay just has this natural, just knack, this talent for connecting people. There's really no lack of things that makes Lindsay impressive. She has been educated through Disney. She has worked with Starbucks. She has worked with Forbes. She has worked with unbelievable young entrepreneurs. And we're going to talk about all that today. But we're also going to talk about a personal story and one that resonates with me as an individual. Lindsay lost her father too early in life to pulmonary fibrosis, and since then has done so much in his name and in the foundation's name. She has organized these events that raise great money for the charity, but also, again, connect people. One of the events that I'm so honored that my company was able to be a part of. So it's really hard to put into words just how impressive Lindsay is, but this episode will definitely give you an idea. So listen in, enjoy, and at the end, please rate and review. All right. Lindsay, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, if uh you know our pre-talk sometimes is, is more fun than <laughs> than than people realize. And I always have fun with pre-talks. And uh, as I just said to you, if if this episode goes as well as our pre-talk just did, then this is going to be a really, really fun episode. But before we get into that, I'd like you to just maybe talk about yourself a minute, tell people who you are, where you came from, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, it's it's always an interesting question because I'm like, where do I start? And I've always kind of looked at my career as like, that's the describer for me. And I don't know if that really makes sense. But anyway, uh, my name is Lindsay. I am from Central Jersey, born and raised here, went to college in Jersey, Uh, went to school uh, down in South Jersey for broadcast journalism. I was excited. I thought I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. I was like getting ready to go and be a news reporter. Thought I had it all figured out when I was in college. I definitely didn't. And again, like I think a lot of this conversation is going to be about my career because that's always been the driving force for me. But yeah, I I spent a lot of time um, in college, like trying to find what I loved to do. And that kind of intertwined with my hobbies. I always loved, you know, kind of like telling stories. So I decided to go to school for journalism, um, had my own radio show in college, really loved that. And then did a bunch of internships when I was down at Rowan. And then I found the Disney college program. And I remember that was like the, one of the first times where I was like, I need to do something like I've always had a strong desire to, to do certain things. But I remember when I found out about that Disney college program, I was like, this is unlike 
anything I felt before. Like I felt so compelled to go do that. And I think from there, I realized like I am really putting my career and, and what's best for me and what makes me happy at the forefront of a lot of what I do and how I live my life. So I did the Disney college program, did a bunch of internships, was working in news and then left the news industry, went into events and I'm still trying to figure it out. I think a lot of people like look at my career trajectory as this grand thing and people are so inspired and it's, it's very flattering. And at the same time, I'm like, I'm still trying to figure my life out. So I'm glad I can be that person, but <laughs> don't think I have it all figured out. Yeah. Well, I think there's different types of trying to figure it out, quote unquote, for the, for the non-visual uh, viewers. You know, there's the, there's the, I don't know what I'm doing. And there's the, I always want to do something else. Right. And I, and you seem to be more of that person. If, if I'm guessing correctly, you know, where you've accomplished a ton, which we'll get into in a second. But uh, you just seem like someone that just has so many great ideas. You always have things on the horizon. It's funny because I'm, I'm definitely an overthinker. And I think anyone who's close to me knows that. And it's good and it's bad because I think that there are plenty of times where I, I am very meticulous and I, I really do try to think out how a situation will play out. It never, it never works like that. But for me, it's like, okay, if I can try to see how a situation would play out. Like, is it good for me? Is it not going to be good for me? It's good until I don't end up taking action on that plan. And then I'm like, I end up, you know, it's like eight months later and it's like, well, what did I do? Nothing. I just thought about it for too long. So it's good and bad, but I am the type of person that does try to strategize like what my next move is, what I'm doing, how I can be better, how I can continue to enhance my life professionally and personally. So it's definitely always a lot of thinking. Yeah, well, you know, not a bad thing. Better to be overprepared than under, but like you said, it has to come with action at some point. What is the Disney College program? And I ask because I think it's interesting. I had a member, one of the members at my gym this past year, invited me to this Disney business, like a marketing forum they were doing. And I was like, is that something Disney does? Like that was that side of Disney was something I just, I didn't know about. I watched Disney all day long with my little ones, but, uh, so what is the Disney college program? Yeah. So there is a whole business side of Disney and it's like full of training and educational information. It's amazing. So the Disney college program, I think they pick like 4,000 out of, I think when I was applying, it was like 12 or 15,000 applicants. And you go down for a semester. Um, you can choose Florida or California. Um, you can either be in school or have just graduated. You go down for a semester and they, it's a really extensive interview process. They place you in a, a park or a hotel. Has nothing to do with your major. It's really actually has to do with your background and past jobs. And then you just work and they do pay you, but you also have an opportunity to take extra classes to like help kind of perfect your craft. So a lot of the classes that I took were exploring guest service and just really centered around the guest experience. And prior to the Disney college program, I was working at Starbucks. And it's funny because when I look back at just like what started me off, I, I always, I always credit Starbucks and the Disney college program. So I worked at Starbucks for three and a half years, I think. And the training, not only to learn the coffee, which 
I know most things about <laughs> coffee now, but just the, the training that they put you through for like how to speak to a customer, how to, you know, interact, all that. It was very, very extensive. And the same thing with Disney. I went through this, like, I think it was a two and a half week training class where they put you through real life scenarios. And I learned so much about that guest service hospitality world that that's always been kind of the basis for me. So I was there for six months. I actually worked at the water park, which was amazing. I worked at Typhoon Lagoon. I was in food and beverage, so definitely not glamorous, but I, I just, I volunteered at events that Disney put on. And I took, like I said, these guest service classes. So it really was amazing. And a lot of the interviews that I got after I finished that program, they all told me that the, one of the main reasons that they wanted to interview me was because I went through that program. Very interesting. Yeah. I had no idea it was such, uh, it was such a thing that they did, I guess, in general. And in terms of Starbucks, I read Howard Schultz's book, which I thought was fascinating because he really dives into the value he wanted to instill and what he wanted to offer to every employee, not just the corporate end employees. So it sounds like you had a really good experience working there as well. Yeah. And you know what? This was back in like 2007, I think. I didn't read his book, so I, I don't know. I probably should. I, <laughs> But yeah, I, that was like, that was actually a really pivotal moment in my life. And I it's not that I didn't appreciate it then. Cause I, I definitely did. And, and I was really fortunate to have loved the high school job that I had. And it wasn't just like a, oh, I'm going to work. I mean, it was a job, but I, I like looked forward to seeing the customers and talking to the same people. And just, I knew their coffee and like people, coffee is a very important part of someone's life. Mm -hmm. And what I remember from those training programs is it's so much more than just a cup of coffee. I sound like a Starbucks commercial, but like (laughs) (laughs) it was, it was really extensive training and um, I was the lowest on the totem pole when I was working there. So what, you know, whatever his goal was of kind of like instilling in, in all of the Starbucks staff definitely worked because it's still affecting me, you know, how many years later. Well, and that's what he talked about. He said, you know, his, and again, this is him writing the book. So you never Mm -hmm. know. You take everything with a grain of salt, but that he wanted to give the staff the tools to be good people, to be better employees, no matter where they ended up. That he knew that the staff, you know, that level staff, most were not going to stay with Starbucks forever. You know, that's not a lifelong position, but if you gave them the tools to be better employees anywhere, they would probably stay longer, be better employees for him and end up being better employers for someone else later on in life, which I like because as a business owner, I agree. You know, my my staff may not stay with me forever, but if I can make them a better, not a better human, but 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 maybe oh, yeah. in some ways, yeah, you know, a better worker, a better person. Um, if I can give them the tools to be successful later, then I think I've done done a good job as an owner, both for my members and how they interact with those members, but also for them, you know, as people I just care about as my staff as well. Yeah, I, I think it's really important. I think, you know, the, the lessons and, and the training program is all great, but I think it's also the environment and the culture that they built, because I think if it was a miserable place to work, they could, you could instill as much training as you want into my brain. It doesn't mean anything. I legitimately looked forward to going to work. And honestly, as a high schooler who looks forward to going to their job, not many people. Yeah. 
Uh, it's again, not we're not to over talk about Starbucks. This was definitely not planned because I did not even know you worked for them before we started this. But um, I really resonated with that message because, you know, he talks about how he wanted to make his stores more than just about coffee. There was an experience. And he talks about how when he traveled to Italy, he had a, he had a conversation with a barista that was their name in Italy. And that's where he got that name from. And it was that experience where also he felt like at home, like he felt like people knew him. And it was, it was kind of like that cheers, you know, the, the sitcom yeah. mentality of yeah. you just felt like this was like a part of your day. Like that's where you wanted to start your day, but it was more, the coffee mattered, but it almost didn't. He didn't say that. I'm saying that. No, but that, that's, that's exactly the kind of environment that it was. And, you know, I'll kind of pivot the conversation, but that's to me, like the, the idea of, guest service and hospitality in whatever form was always has always been the driving force for me. So, you know, now I'm, I'm in the event space and it's hospitality. I mean, you're putting on an event, but I have the audience, the, the consumer, that's who I'm targeting. I have to make sure that they're happy. And I think that it's, I mean, it's a lot of industries, but I think for me, it's, it's definitely been the driving force in, in everything that I've done. And it's really given me a solid you know, platform for all of the endeavors, I guess, that I've been on. Yeah. Well, I love that because, you know, we've talked about how you've become kind of a connector of people. And it's completely true because I have two guests on this podcast who I would not have met and been able to form um, this really cool relationship with if it wasn't for you, you know, the guys from Neurogum. But so so let's pivot there. You know, you, you work for these two huge names and then you go on to work for a third huge name in Forbes. So how did you end up working for them? You know, I wish I had such like an elaborate story, but I was on Indeed and I was just searching and I was getting really fed up with the job search, the process. And I was starting to feel a little defeated and I came across an executive coordinator position for Forbes Women. This is a women's division of Forbes. And I looked at it and I was like, what are the chances of me yeah. getting this? I was like, on Indeed? I don't know. I clicked apply and I got a call and I got a couple interviews. Actually, at first, did not get the position, but you can tell I'm like very in your face. I always, not in a bad way, but I just, I want to know. I'm, I'm like a very curious person. And a couple weeks had gone by, I think. And I love telling this story because it's, it's such an important lesson. And it's what I tell people who are younger and just anyone that's really looking to like, looking for advice. Maybe it's not the best advice. I think it's pretty good, but it had been a couple of weeks and I saw again, when I was looking for a job that the, the position had been reposted like a day before. And I was like, that's weird because they didn't tell me no, but they didn't tell me yes. And I haven't heard anything. So let me reach out. And I, I reached out to one of the women that I was going to be reporting to. And I was like, you know, I never heard from anyone. Like, is the job still open? Can we have a conversation? She actually um, asked to get on the phone with me the next day, called me, called me in for an interview. And I sat down face to face with the two people I was going to be reporting to and had what I thought was going to be a casual conversation. It was a pretty intense interview. And then the next day I got offered the job. And the crazy part is the, the woman who hired me is actually one of my mentors today. And 
we talk about this all the time. And she said that the reason, or one of the reasons, obviously that, you know, if I didn't reach out, I guess it wouldn't have happened, but it proved to them that I was serious. And I, I really wanted to, to better understand, you know, what I could have done, even if I wasn't getting the job, what could I have done differently? So I know for the future. And at that point, I think it just proved to them that I was really serious about wanting the position. And so that, that's how I started. And from, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I, I love it. I, that's a, it's a great message to people because don't just sit and wait. I mean, people, and again, speaking as an employer, people are human. Mm-hmm. People, people miss emails. People get emails, but they get them at the same time as they're on a phone call. You know, there's, there's so many reasons why people don't answer things or don't get to things right away. So why not follow up? Why not give yourself that chance? The worst comes the worst. They just keep ignoring you or they keep telling you no. You exactly. end up right back to where you started. So why exactly. why wouldn't you put yourself in a position to still get what you wanted? Exactly. And I think from there, I've, you know, so I worked as the executive coordinator for the women's division for about nine months. And then there was a, a position on the events team, moved over to the events team. But I was, I made it a point when I had started my position initially that I, I wanted to just volunteer with the events team and just learn as much as I could about the company, about just the way the events worked and all of that. And like I said, so there was a, a, an open position after about 10 months moved over. And from there, I, I worked my way, you know, worked my way up, worked my way through, but I, I learned a lot. I was planning, you know, some of the tentpole summits. I was planning some of the, the smaller custom events. And then I was at Forbes for five and a half years. And the last year and a half, I was overseeing the global events, but also like more specifically the under 30 summits and, uh, oversaw the under 30 summit in Detroit, which was the 10,000 person event, uh, that took place in October by far one of the, one of the, (laughs) the most insane experiences that I've probably ever had in my life for many, many reasons, personally and professionally, but met a lot of incredible people, met a lot of really successful people. You know, a lot of people look at Forbes and they're like, oh, you, you, you meet so many celebrities. You've met so many celebrities. And to be honest, like when people ask me who the most impactful people were that I've met, I, I always go to the people that built businesses from nothing and, and really have been working to, to change the world and just these entrepreneurs who have had, you know, different stories. And yeah, I, I mean, from there, like, like you said earlier, I like being able to connect people to people. And for me, just learning and being able to produce these events for all these different people across all different industries has been, you know, was amazing. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I can't imagine like the environment at an event like that must be just really cool because it's a bunch of people who are go-getters, right? It's a bunch of people who have, you know, before we started recording, we talked about the idea of the behind the scenes of, of what goes into starting a business and to being an entrepreneur. And most people see the end product if people even get to an end product. So what you see is the 1%, maybe not 1%, but you yeah. know, the very small percentage of people that, that make it to a level where you get to see them. And there's so much that goes into that. So that to have 10,000 people like that in one room, what's that environment like? It's so inspiring. And, you know, I, unfortunately, I was very sleep deprived during that event. 
but I've, I've also had, a you know, a couple opportunities to put on events in Israel for this, for similar groups of people. And, you know, even the smaller events, like just being around those people, it's like electrifying and, and you, you have, I mean, at least for me, it, it, it really forced me to take a step back and be like, how can I better myself? Like, yes, I'm, I'm, this is awesome. And I'm putting on events for these people and I want to make sure that they have the best experience possible. But at the same time, I was also like, what else? I should be doing something else. Like I should have a side hustle. I should have two side hustles. I, you know, so I've, I had so many thoughts over the past couple of years and I actually left Forbes back in September moved on to another, uh, another position at another company, which has been really amazing for me and, and my career. But, and I'm also working with entrepreneurs at this current job too. So it's, it actually led me to, to this position and, and kind of put me in a place where I, I knew that I wanted to just like really, really focus in on the entrepreneur and just be able to help them and also think about what else I could do professionally. So. Awesome. Awesome. And that's why you put yourself in these positions, right? Because you just never know what you're going to get out of it. And I don't, I'm such a big believer in in making connections because you just never know. And to follow the story of how you and I even got to meet, I had a client in Chicago who was working for a whole different company. Really, really great client. Matt and I really, he's, he's just a great guy overall. He moves out of Chicago, gets a job with Forbes, meets you. You put on an event, a different event, which we're going to get to in a second. He reaches out to me just to support you in this event. And then we end up going further and all of a sudden, you know, podcast guests and you're on here. Yep. So you just never know. You just never know where things are going to lead. Like there's, if again, we talk about sharing messages with people, meet as many people as you can, talk to as many people as you can, put yourself in, in circles like that because it's just, you just never know where it's going to lead you. And it's not for a selfish reason. It's not like you do it because you're going to get something out of it. Just genuinely meet people and want to help people. And the universe kind of just takes care of it, you know, down and, the line. And just one more thing to that, I was going to say, you know, one of the, the other pieces of advice that I like to tell people is don't go into, you know, a, a, a professional relationship trying to get something out of it. Just go in and just try yeah. to just, have a conversation, learn mm -hmm. from them, set up an exploratory call. Don't go into it thinking that they're going to offer you a job, that they're going to offer you. Like it's one of the quickest ways to fail. And the person on the other end of it isn't going to be receptive to that at all. They can read that. And the people with no intentions. Um, you talked about earlier, intern, do things for free experience. Like that's the best advice I can give anyone. That's and I don't know if I did it on purpose early in my life. That's something I just, I just kind of did. I worked a lot for free. I took on new clients for free. Sometimes I, you know, I interned for free. I helped people out for free. And it was really just because I genuinely liked to learn, but thank God I did it. Cause there's no way I would have ended up anywhere near where I am today. If I didn't just let myself have extra experiences. I mean, especially in the trainer's world, I meet so many young trainers that are so worried about getting paid for every second of everything they do. And you can do that but you might be limiting yourself to experiences that, that could be opening doors for you later on. It's so true. I just think putting yourself in a position where, you know, time is money too. And like, if you can, if you can learn and you can just be in a place where you can absorb as much information as possible, then, 
the money will come eventually. I, I'm definitely on the same page as you and I have volunteered my time so many times, but you know, there's a difference between people that want something and people that are like, eh, maybe I want it, maybe I don't. I love how you just reversed and maybe, and maybe this is just new to me, but you just reversed the phrase where people misunderstand that time is money phrase. People think, well, all my time is worth money, so every moment of time I spend should be paid. It's the opposite. You're earning money later on by spending time if you spend time the right way. Absolutely. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Well, so, so th the reason we met, you know, you were putting on this really cool event that obviously speaks to me personally. And, I, and I'm so glad that he did because it was such a cool event. So, and well, I'll, I'll kind of let you talk on it. You know, you, you support this charity. It's for very personal reasons. Do you want to get into in, yeah. in how the charity came up and your personal experience? Yeah, I'm like I said, I'm an open book. So I lost my dad uh, last September to a chronic lung condition called pulmonary fibrosis. Not that much research on it. And I, you know, they're still learning a lot about it. So definitely still, you know, raising money, raising awareness. Um, he battled with that, with that condition for probably seven or eight years, I think maybe even longer. Um, and back in 2016, he had a lung transplant. The, the transplant, you know, it gave him extra years, but the doctors had said without it, he probably would have had a month to live. So he was grateful for the transplant. Obviously, you know, my family, I was incredibly grateful, but he had probably only like seven good months after the transplant. And from the end of maybe 2016 up until when he passed uh, last year, it was constant struggles. And, you know, watching the strongest man that I, that I knew go from, you know, being able to, to do everything and just be this person who like was fearless and, and, you know, never showed that many emotions to watch him like really deteriorate in his health was so devastating to me. And, you know, uh, you know, during his sickness, I became really active and involved with the pulmonary fibrosis foundation. And it allowed me to, you know, put myself with a, a charity and an organization that I could just, you know, fundraise for and bring awareness to. So I did, I participated in a lot of their walks. I did a lot of their, their gala events I attended and just wherever I could, I was raising awareness. So back in July, August, I really wanted to do something special that wasn't just a Facebook fundraiser, which there's nothing wrong with, but I really wanted to do something that was a little bit more meaningful. And this past September was the one year anniversary of his passing. And September was also pulmonary fibrosis awareness month. So being that we're all in the middle of a pandemic, I thought, okay, well, I can't put on a real live event. So I thought about hosting virtual events with me leading the classes because again, going back to me and my brain never stopping, I also became a certified personal trainer back in May. So I was like, oh, this is great. I can lead all these classes. And as I was thinking about it, I was like, that's kind of boring. Like I know a lot of people in the fitness space. Why not just let them host it? And then from there, this idea was born where I had decided to have multiple trainers leading various workouts throughout the month of September. All of the proceeds would go to charity. I had each class a suggested donation of $7, which was my dad's lucky number. 
And I ended up having about three to four classes a week throughout the month. And one of the trainers from your gym was actually uh, one of the, the trainers that led the class. And it was really awesome. So we ended up raising, I think, a little bit over $1,500. And I, it was nice. I got to, you know, got to showcase the trainers. I got to get people a workout. I got to spread awareness about the disease and then also raise money. So win-win all around. And from the little time I've gotten to know you, this event just, it just screams you in a nutshell, you know, because it's this combination of this caring person that you are, but also this connector of people, because you found a way to just mix everything in that you do, it seems like pretty naturally. I thought it was a genius idea. Well, thank you. I really liked it. I just, I just like being able to give people a platform. I am by no means saying that my Instagram following is a platform, but you know, just like I met you, I was also able to put you in touch with someone and Mm -hmm. you and him are friends now. And I've been able, and I kind of pride myself on, on being able to be that person for so many other people. And that brings me joy and fulfillment. So uh, yeah, I couldn't. And, and you're right. And because you know, Ryan and I were just talking about some ideas we had of things we can do in the future, you know, especially post, well, not post COVID, COVID's not yeah. going away, but, but post the era, the era we're sitting in now. So I, Lindsay, I love it. I thought it was a great idea. You know, my, for my newer listeners, you know, Lindsay and I share a pretty similar story where not only do we share the story, but we both reacted in the same way where we felt this need to, to be a part of it, even though our dads were gone. So Lizzie, I want to ask you your your side of it. I guess you know, raising awareness, doing the charities, it's it's not bringing our dads back. So why why do you love being connected to the foundation? Why do you love making sure that the research gets better and that future people don't get harmed the way your dad did? You know what what does it do for you? Yeah, it's such a good question. I it's so hard to put into words because I you know, one of the biggest fears that I had growing up was that something would happen to my parents and I watched it happen. And I, I think, I think some, you know, now it's been a year and a couple months and it, I feel like sometimes it's still, most of the time it still doesn't feel real, but when he was going through it, I just kept thinking a transplant is, especially for this condition, a transplant is not is not the solution because I know what happens when people get transplants. And a lot of the times, I mean, it's good sometimes, a lot of the times it's not so good, but I just think, you know, if there was more research or if there was a cure, my, my dad wouldn't have gone through it, but if it can prevent other people from, you know, watching their dads from going through the same thing or prevent the person from going through the same thing, like why not? And I think to, when I get attached to something, I feel very, or when I get passionate about it, I get very excited. I guess they could kind of be interchanged, but I know that my dad was really, um, grateful and appreciative for me just bringing awareness to it. And my dad was always so proud of me and anything that I, that I did, which was really nice. And, you know, he kind of always put emphasis on my career, but also really like what makes me happy and just, being passionate, like as long as I'm passionate about something and, you know, he saw that I I was really, really passionate about wanting to help the cause. And like you said, it's, it's the closest thing or maybe it's, it was the only thing really that could make me feel like I was doing something to help him because watching him 
watching him go through what he did was I was so helpless. And this to me was, was really the only thing that was allowing me to not be as helpless. If that makes any sense. It well, it makes perfect sense. And, and again, and I hope, I hope as many people as possible never experience in what, what you have and what we have, but it's exactly, it's exactly what I, what I got. It's the reason I started this podcast. You know, there's a, there's a lot I hope people get out of this. There's the entrepreneur side, there's the behavior change side, but, but really the prevention of injury side, that's why, because you're right. My dad went through three surgeries, three surgeries that I want to call them unnecessary, but we learned later on, maybe bought him weeks here and there, but they really didn't, they didn't add on extra quality time. And, and to see someone go through what they did. So you're right. The answer isn't how to cure something that's, that's already there. It's, it's gotta be in the beginning stages or it's gotta not happen at all. And, and it really is about the families that have to, it's about the people, it's about the individuals. I'm not saying it's not, but it's definitely also about the, the, the family who also has to experience the loss and to see their loved ones go through what they are, because it's, it's an undescribable experience. It really is. I mean, you know, the fact that you said it's about the families, it is. And I, I think less about me. And I, I watched my mom take care of my dad for five years and you know, my dad spent months at a time in the hospital and my mom never left. I mean, she, sometimes she would have to leave the hospital, but she would sleep there with him every single day, no matter what, you know, what month it was, no matter when she was in the hospital with him sitting in that room from 6am to 9pm every single day. Like there was not one minute where she left his side at all. And if she had to like go home and do whatever I was there. And, you know, the, the three of us were, we were always so close and it was, it's, they're just, they've always been everything to me. So I, I was always, you know, I was always at the hospital. I was always making sure that my mom was good and he was good, but really like my mom took care of my dad and I took care of my mom and it does, it affects everybody that, that is close to that person. So it's just devastating. And I think for me to be able to to just bring awareness to it. I mean, and I think I even said this to you, even if this charity, that this charity event that I did had raised $5, I don't care. It's the fact that more people know about what pulmonary fibrosis is. More people are aware of it. They're, you know, maybe contributing to research or, you know, just reading about it. And that would have been good enough for me. I love it. And you're right. It's because if more people do what you're doing, and more people are. That's, that's the thing. And when you go to the events, you realize that there are a lot of people like us who are doing what we're doing, who are taking these terrible experiences and these tragic losses, and they're doing what they can out of it. And the more that happens, the more that community builds, the better things are going to be. So so God bless you and everyone else who's doing things like this, because it's, it's going to make an impact. So um, it's awesome, Lindsay. Very cool. You know, and then just to say it on here, you know, I'm so sorry for your, for your loss, you know, and I know that, and to go back to the Forbes event, you know, I saw in one of your posts, the Forbes event that you put on and put so much work into happened a month after your loss. Yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy because yeah, he, he passed and there was a month to go with this event and there were opportunities. Uh, my coworkers were very gracious and there were plenty of opportunities for, for me to take a, a backseat. Um, and I had a good team, you know, working with me at the time anyway. So it, it was never really an issue, but I think that kind of goes back to how my parents raised me. And it was, it was never to put family on the back burner, but I remember saying, 
I can choose to take a step back or I can just put everything I have into it. And I know that that's what my dad wanted, would have wanted me to do. And that's what I wanted to do. So I took time off for his funeral and I, you know, took a few days, but really I, I threw myself into my work. I ended up taking a lot of time after the event. And I think that I've probably spent most of this year doing a lot of thinking and just kind of trying to make sense of everything. And part of me sometimes think that I sound dramatic when I talk about it because I'm like, oh, it's a whole year. Like who, am I still drained after a year? And then I'm like, no, I am. And I'm allowed to give myself that (laughs) because I went through so much, but I do think it, it also kind of really changed the way that I view things and put me in a position where I wanted to to do more, even more than I wanted to do before. Awesome. No, I think it's, it's very, very cool. And, you, and you, you dove into the work, but you also dove into fitness, it sounds like. And it sounds like your your fitness became a pretty strong, I want to call it a healing tool. It's like, you, and we've talked about it. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's hard to heal right from this. You know, the whole time heals wounds thing is, you know, it's it doesn't really work with this. Um, no. Not the way people think it might. So how, how did fitness play a role for you in this? Yeah, time definitely doesn't heal. And I, I think when my dad first passed, I remember the people who hadn't gone through it, they're like, oh, time heals all. And I'm like, mm, it really doesn't. Like I wake up every single morning and I have to re- like almost remind myself that my dad's not here. It's very weird for me. The only thing that kept me sane during the crazy work hours and, you know, especially during the, the month that I lost my dad and, and the months after was fitness. And the only way that I was able to like actually think straight was if I prioritized my overall well-being. I like really made it a priority to make sure I was eating right, make sure I was going to the gym. There were plenty of days where I couldn't go to the gym or I would just go and walk or just whatever it was. I just, that was my outlet and work was also my outlet. But I think as time went on and we went into this pandemic, fitness even more became a priority for me. And then from there, you know, I was like, well, I'm, I'm already doing the fitness thing. So I might as well become a personal trainer. And if I can help one or two people, even virtually, then why not? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you focused, at least you, you chose a healthy outlet, obviously. And I agree in all angles that if we're not the best versions of ourselves, we can't do anything right. I, I can't be a good parent. We can't be good business owners. We can't be good workers, coworkers, whatever it might be. So I think that goes to healing too. If we don't keep ourselves in the best state physically and health-wise possible, we, we may never heal the right way. Our body, our brain is not just, it's not in a position to do so. So it's so good for you for steering yourself in the right direction. Yeah, I, I read a lot of articles, listened to a lot of podcasts that were just all about wellness and how your mind is connected to your, your gut and like just everything is connected. And I'm like, uh, if there's one thing I can control, it's what I eat. And if I'm working out Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I I'm very type a, and I really felt like I lost probably like 95% control of my life when my dad passed. And you think you're going to know how to handle it? Because I think for a while I went through, you know, what's called anticipatory grief because I I knew he was really sick and I I knew that it was coming. And I, I 
I sit here and I think, or I mean, I thought then like, oh, I know how I'm going to feel. You definitely don't. It just hits you. Like I felt like I was hit by 55 buses at once every single day. And yeah, I mean, my outlet, like you said, was fitness, nutrition. And, um, from there it kind of like put me into a place where I was like, okay, I could, and want to do it as a full-time career, but I was like, uh, if I can kind of flip it and, and be able to help other people, then why not? Yeah. Awesome. So what are the plans with the charity? Do you have anything, anything you want to do next year in the future? Any thoughts for it? Yeah. You know, I, I definitely want, I initially, the overthinker in me was like, Oh, I could do this every month for a new charity and it'll be great. Um, it took a lot of work, which is fine, but I think I'm going to focus on really just making the September event bigger and better. And hopefully in 2021, be able to do some live events. I, I have a couple contacts of mine that have offered me gym space and fitness space, which is really exciting. So a couple things, um, that will be in the works eventually, uh, you know, as we get closer to September, but that that's really, that's really it as far as fitness goes. So, okay. I, I think very cool. And you let me know, cause I'll always, uh, I'll always make sure to share it. Thank you. Thank you. So before we started the podcast, you mentioned that you also had maybe plans of your own podcast. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit. So where, where did this idea come from? What's the plan? Yeah. So when the pandemic hit and I, we were all kind of forced into this quarantine, I was like, what else can I do? <laughs> like, I, I love the event space, but again, live events kind of went down the drain for now. Loved fitness, but got my cert, started training people. And I still was like, what else can I do? Had an idea about a podcast and just, it's so embarrassing to say that I've taken from March until now to like sit on the, the idea of starting one. And I haven't executed on it until just last week. So again, it goes back to what you and I have really been talking about this whole podcast. I love the idea of entrepreneurism, not just for myself, but I, I really do love being able to connect people to people. And if I can connect you to someone else and you know, you even have a conversation that leads to something like that is so fulfilling to me. So I, I'm creating a podcast where I can showcase people's stories, but I don't want to just talk about their successes. And again, it sounds a little cliche. Like I've had, you know, I've done all these events where people have gone on stage and they've talked about their success and they've talked about their failures and that's fine. But I want to get into the, the really nitty gritty and talk to people about you know, what really went on through their, did they go through adversity? What really went on? You know, most of the time, these people aren't successful on their first try or their second try or their third try. And a lot of times people pivot. So, you know, most of the time I feel like you have a plan and it kind of doesn't go as huh. planned. And I just, I want people to, to be vulnerable. So I'm really going to be having those conversations and, tapping into my inner journalist and really trying to bring everything full circle here, here. So I'm really excited. Uh, I, and you know, like we talked about and for my entrepreneurs that are, that are listening to this, I don't know anyone that's ever said things have gone to plan. 
you know, it's, there's always something that comes up. So again, so the, the people who, who know, know, but for the people who are thinking about going into things, you know, I, I think it's important to anticipate the unexpected, not saying to anticipate exactly what the unexpected will be, but just to make peace with the fact that something that you cannot plan for is going to come up. A pivot that you don't know is a possibility, is a possibility, you know, and, and just, I think the sooner you can make peace for that, I think it's probably a good life lesson too, right? That life doesn't always go, I mean, look at the loss of our fathers, you know, life doesn't go the way we think it's going to go. So we have opportunities to pivot and make things what they are. And uh, as much as people like talking about their current business, I think people would love to tell their story and you know what they thought was going to happen. And I think it's a great idea. I think it's a really, really great idea. I think one more point to what you said is, you know, a lot of times, like look at you and I, right? I, I can sit here and say, from losing my dad, I have, and I'm not starting a business or anything, but like my mindset has shifted so much and I'm sure yours has as well. But I, I've talked to people who have also lost parents. And even if it's not losing a parent, if it's just some sort of personal adversity, you know, that, that affects your career too. And I, I also, I, I want the conversations to be real and raw and, you know, not just about professional life. Like, yeah. Did you have a, maybe a bad business partner? Sure. But did you go through something personally that changed the way that you thought about something and, you know, kind of sparked a new business idea. And, you know, what, what does that look like? How did that kind of come to fruition? So those are the conversations that I'm going to be having. And I'm really excited. I, I feel like I put it off for so long and, and not because I'm a procrastinator, but I think I just, like I said earlier, I want, I try to think through everything and really be so, you know, I'm a planner. <laughs> it hurts me sometimes, but I, I try to be so like, it needs to be perfect. And I need to know exactly what story I'm telling. And finally I was like, you know what? It's life doesn't even happen like that. So let's just go for it and, and see what, see what comes of it. You know, Lizzie, 10 years ago, you would not have heard me talk about, you know, anything even close to fate or destiny or, you know, like nothing along those genres in any way. The farther I get in life, the more I really do believe that things kind of tend to happen when they should and that situations bring out the right timing. So, you know, I, I think this is probably coming up when it should come up for you and that, you know, whether you wanted it to come up nine months ago or not, I don't think it matters. I think it's coming up when it should. So I think it's going to be great and I'm looking forward to hearing it. So I'm going to be a listener for sure. Thank you so much. Yes. And I'm definitely going to have you as a guest because I know what we're going to talk about. <laughs> I, yeah, I've, I've done It's, it's been a journey and, uh, uh, yeah, you know, and, and hearing from your other guests, it's only going to make me a better business owner and entrepreneur. And, uh, it's, it's really cool. I love what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah. Well, Lindsay, uh, thank you so much for being on. I know it took us a few tries to finally get today going because we, we both are busy and, and love what we're doing. But uh, it was this was an honor and a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, like I said, I'm I'm really excited to have been able to chat with you and kind of share my story. And thank you so much. Well, real quick before we sign off, where can people find you? Probably Instagram. I'm not as active, but my Instagram is at Lindsay L I N D S A Y E Z Y. LinkedIn is cool too, but I don't know if people plug their LinkedIn on podcasts. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, I'll put your LinkedIn. I'll put everything in the show notes. So if, it, if people want to find you, they'll, uh, they'll go to the site and they'll find you. Um, I'll also, 
of course, plug the charity and make sure that's in there as well. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, Lindsay, uh, stick around for a second. For everybody else, thank you for listening and I will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast. Find more episodes like this at www.lifestyleasmedicinepodcast.com and visit www.marhealthandperformance.com and at Mar Health and Performance on both Facebook and Instagram for more great content and information about programs. Have a great day and see you next time.